0: haven't already sat down go ahead and sit down and everyone here can sit down I want to invite Scott Howard up uh, so that I can pray for him and then I'm going to read uh, the scripture that we are studying today now Scott is a student at Trinity uh, he is also uh, at Bull Creek WPC right now and so we're grateful that he has come along uh, to share with us today so let me pray for you Scott Father God, we thank you for Scott. We thank you for his family. We thank you for his life. We thank you that you have called him and redeemed him and made him your son. We pray that you'll be with him today as he brings your word to us, that it will have already, and we know that it has convicted him and changed him and challenged him and encouraged him. And so let us hear that from him today. Father, we do ask that if there are any words that are not your words, that they will burn up and pass away. But if they are your words, that they will take deep root into our hearts. It's in your name we pray this, Jesus. Amen. And now the reading of God's word from Psalm 77. It says this, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remembered God, I moaned. And when I meditated, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end of all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds Your way, O God, is holy. What God is greater than our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And when the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, and your lightning, lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Thanks. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, good morning. Let me just bring this over. So, again, good morning. Um, and this morning we're going to be looking at a lament psalm. And thank you, Lee, for reading that. Um, last year, Lee took you through laments, uh, many very good sermons. And it's good for us to be reminded again now. That we can rightly come to God in the midst of horrific pain, sorrow and grief, while not minimising how we are feeling. And that's very important right now as we continue to see the effects of the COVID-19 virus and the impact that that has on our country, our world, us as individuals, as well as our families and friends. And when you come to laments, there's two kinds of people. There are those that are suffering now and this psalm for you is to help you think through that process of lament. The second category is the one that I fit into and maybe you as well, where right now we're not suffering. Then this psalm is to help us prepare for when that does happen to us. I have two children. Um, They have very good lungs and they use them very often the great thing about children is that they know how they feel and they let you know. They're very persistent in that. Recently, my daughter at night has been calling out when I've been trying to sleep. She normally starts out very softly. Daddy, daddy. But if I'm really asleep, it gets louder and louder. She's persistent. Louder and louder and it keeps going until I wake up until I go and see what's wrong. And why does my daughter do that? Well, there are two reasons that I could think of, and they match well to the two parts of our sermon for today. The first part is that we call on our Father in our suffering. And the second one is, we have confidence to call on our Father because of who He is and what He has done. And this is a lament psalm, and laments follow particular patterns. And Lee took you through this last year, and he helped break them down into sections. So they begin with an address to God, they move to complaints, they shift to requests, and they eventually become worship, or worship to trust in Him, to rest in Him. And these show the transition through lament, the progress through the pain. It isn't the fix, but it is a help to help us get through. It's what God has given us for moments of suffering. And in this psalm, we're going to see the similar process. We're going to see the address, we're going to see complaint, and then it transitions to worship in trust. So let's begin by our first point. We call to our Father in our suffering. Lee has read this for us, so let's go. Verses 1 to 6. The psalmist begins with his address to God. He begins calling on God, seeking the Lord, stretching out his hands, seeking him, refusing to be comforted. I remember him. I meditate on him. God, please help me. You hear me. I'm suffering. I need your help because I can't do it anymore. And just initially, let us think. Do you pray like this? Do you think like this? Because I don't know about you, but when I first dived into this passage, I found it hard. It's hard. It's messy. It's raw. And to be honest, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Because we can often get so caught up in presenting ourselves as good people who have it all under control that we think that this psalm isn't appropriate. We instead insert Victorian-era quietness as really reflecting godliness. But that's not true at all. No, no, because God has given His Word to teach us. Teach us acceptable ways to grieve, lament, cry out to Him, and cry out with each other. Or maybe we've been caught up with the idea of the health-wealth gospel that health and wealth are good signs of the Christian life, that if we show any signs of weakness or suffering or burden of sin, that it's a sign that we're not Christian or that we don't have enough faith. That's not true. I have a friend and we're going to call him Franklin um, and he lives a lot of his life in pain. When he was younger... Drugs were a big part of Frank's life. But by God's grace, he became a Christian, all before I knew him. One of the many things I appreciate about Frank is that he's always truthful with how he's going. He would often come to prayer meetings and say, you know what? Life sucks. That he's in pain... tempted, struggling sometimes angry with god always very happy to complain I'm going to drink to keep myself from crying and i'm tempted to come along him aside him and say yeah you are feeling that way but we can't say it like that no no But this psalm helps us to see, actually, that my friend understands the lament and this psalm better than I do. Because he lives it. He presents his feelings while I'm often quick to hide them. And just because it's not pretty or mature But God can handle our pain and our feelings because he gave them to us. And he wants us to call out to him. Just like my children in the night when they fall out of bed. God wants us to call to him in our suffering. And right now, there are many people calling out. A week ago, Thursday, I got to come to this church. And as I was driving home, I went past the Centrelink in the middle of the day. And there was a line coming out, going down the road. People that need help. And I don't think the psalmist is in financial pressure, but it's still real. Businesses shut down. Potentially lose everything. And many of them would be saying, no, not like this. God, please help me. And maybe that's you today. After addressing God, he calls out to him. Calls out and complains. That's verses 6 through to 9. My heart meditated, my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has this promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And we're tempted to look up at heaven and call out that you don't understand. Because you're all up there in heaven, but we're suffering. And while I read this in sadness, you could read it in anger. Has God forgotten us? But God understands that pain and sorrow. And if we ask, will you do nothing? Well, no, because the Father gave His all. The Father gave His Son to be killed, sent His Son to the cross, And Jesus was there forsaken and abandoned by the Father. He took the punishment and the abandonment that we deserved. So that we don't have to. On the cross he bore more suffering, more grief and God's wrath for us. So that we ultimately won't have to. we often forget what we've been saved from. Especially when the now is so painful. <coughs> Sorry, at this right, it's going to take forever. Mm. And this doesn't minimize your suffering now, Jesus understands what you're going through. It allows us to know that God doesn't abandon his people and that we must continue to call on our Father because he does hear us. And God wants us to know that we can call on him because we can always call on our Father with confidence. Hebrews puts it this way, chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus is the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because of what Jesus has done, we can always come and pray to God. And the second part of our psalm, I said, we have confidence to call on our Father because of who He is and what He has done. After the questions of the soul, in verse 6 through to 9, the psalmist moves on to speaking his mind truthfully, to turning to trust and rest in worship of God. And these kinds of signs, psalms normally have two sides. Kind of like a valley. There's the side down that we've done until they hit rock bottom. And then we go upwards or get on the other side of the valley. The Summers has asked questions like Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? These questions revolve around God Who is God? What do I know about him? Is this normal? Is this characteristic of God? If I have any understanding of God, where does this fit? And for the psalmist, what comes to mind? What are the characteristics that God has revealed Himself? What jumps to the mind of the psalmist is that God is a redeeming God, who is great and powerful. And that's where the rest of our passage goes. I could read to you the entire rest of the psalm, but instead, let me draw that picture for you. The Lord comes and stretches out His right hand. His people, the ones that He has promised to bring out of the land, are still in Egypt, in slavery. And God comes with all of His power. I don't know if you've watched the good old DreamWorks film, The Prince of Egypt. But one of the things it does well is it shows the absolute power of God. As he sweeps his people up, destroys Egypt, and takes them towards the Promised Land. And that's what this psalm is going to draw us to. And at first, this may seem weird. Why is the psalmist relating to God through what he did in the past? Most likely, not even to him or for him, but to his forefathers, possibly his great-grandfather. And the reason why is because that's how you judge someone's character. It's either by who they are or what they've done. And we do this too, don't we? Your friends and relationships, they're not generally focused on right here and now. No, you give time to those who you've given time to already, those that you've met, those that you've spent time with. And you remember those that in the past have hurt you. and You're wary of them. Those past actions weigh in on how you relate now. And that's even true with friends and family. And so he relates back to God. He relates back to God's past actions, and it's the Exodus that he remembers. And that leads him to worship. The psalmist worships God for saving his people redeeming them out of being complete slaves, unable to do anything, taking them out to the promised land. And you may be thinking, how does that help me? How does that even help this psalmist in any way? Does remembering God and His awesomeness just make all the suffering go away? No, and that's not what this says. But in his suffering, he finds rest and relief in God because there is comfort, there's comfort in knowing that the God, the one you call on, has already done a great work. It shows us God's character, that he remembers and saves his people. They saved his family and even placed them in the land where he is in now. God saved the people from a greater trouble than what he is in right now and took them to a greater position than what he could ever ask to be in. Part of his people, choosing them to be his people and for God to be their God. And so in the midst of our psalmist's suffering, after coming through the point of complaining, he remembers who God is and also what he promises to do. Our passage wants to say that even in the midst of our suffering, remember God. Not just who He is, but what He has done, so to give us a firm hope in the future, in our suffering. The psalmist remembers that God took His people completely from slavery, did it all. He split the sea for them to walk through. God did everything He broke nature for them. Won't he do the smaller thing? Won't he help you? Won't he hear you? The reason my daughter cries out in the night, although sometimes it's just her being naughty, is because she knows that I love her. She knows of my love for her because I've done it before. I've shown that to her both to her and to my son, Lachlan. And for us Christians, we have a greater redemption than the one of Egypt. And we see a greater love than of me for my daughter. Because as I've already said, the Father sent the Son to redeem a people for Himself. All humanity was trapped in sin, We were suffering, but making others suffer in that. And Jesus came and died to rescue us, pay our debt, if we would but trust in him and follow him. The Israelites were saved from Egypt to the land of Canaan, but Jesus saves us from our sin and God's wrath to take us to eternal life in heaven. And we too often forget about that part of God's love for us, especially in our suffering. Our suffering distracts us, makes us doubt, sometimes makes us not even want to ask for help. It shrouds our minds from remembering what God has done, especially if we hide it. But that means that Because of what God has done for us in Jesus, our future is secure. Our passage wants us to keep calling on our Father. Keep holding on to Jesus because He's got you. Trust in Him. Rest in Him. Rest in what He's already secured for you. You have forgiveness now and there's eternal life to come. Jesus suffered for you, took your penalty so that you don't have to face that. So trust in Him now. And yes, we will face suffering, and you may be in that now, but don't let let that make you think that God's love is dependent on how you're going right now, whether that's your economic state or your health. No, Jesus' death is so great because it's where we see God's love poured out for us. It's where He saved us. And that's the hope that we have. That's the comfort that we need to get us through. That even in the midst of horrible suffering, our end is secure because of Jesus. Romans 8 puts it this way, about the security that we have. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's secure. So hold on to him. hold on to him in midst of your suffering because you know that the end has been paid for and if you don't know Jesus if you're not following him turn to him now he has paid your penalty he has suffered your punishment for you to f- just for you just if you were f- would follow him let him be the shelter from the coming judgment through what he has already accomplished and paid for because of his great love for us. Let me pray. Lord, we... Lord, help us to be always calling out to you calling out to you in confidence because we know that your Son has done it all for us. He's allowed us to have access to you in prayer and he has secured our future, eternal life with you if we but trust and follow you. Lord, help us to do that now, today and in the future. Please bring us through our suffering. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen.